Visit Hellsberg.com for safe and easy ways to shop this holiday, like free shipping and returns, virtual shopping appointments, or buy online and pick up in store. And right now, get a free Microsoft Surface Go 2 with the purchase of $1,499 or more. You gift, you get. Limited time offer while supplies last. See online or in store for details. The Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio, of, for, and by you, the people, live nationwide and streaming live at lesliemarshallshow.com. Call in with your thoughts at 888-6-LESLIE. to set you free and my computer is acting up (laughs) i can see scott you're huge i can see me and i'm like where's my text (laughs) and here we go uh i'm leslie marshall scott paul's going to be joining us uh he is in the house and uh we are so glad to have him with us um when we are um nearly uh taking time off i would imagine you are too scott uh let me just uh mark how do i get out of this this big screen so i can see things here Uh, i don't know how to downsize anything you know i don't know no that's not working that's not working Okay, exit full screen. There we go. Nope, it's still doing it. <laughs> love you guys. Love seeing you, but I need my text as well. Otherwise, I can't like memorize what we're talking about. Here we go. Scott Paul's with us today. And as you know, Scott, and I know as president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing, the AAMR partnership established by some of America's leading manufacturers and the United Steel Workers Union. And for over a decade, Scott and the AAM have worked to make American manufacturing a top of mind issue for voters and our national leaders. They've done it through effective advocacy, innovative research, and a savvy PR strategy. But Scott, welcome. Welcome back. I had you on enough. I should know that one by heart, right? (laughs) (laughs) There are some things that I have memorized, but opening lines probably are not among them, Leslie. So uh, (laughs) it's good to be with you, nevertheless. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Good to have you. You're looking good. Family well. Everybody's good. We feel remarkably blessed under the circumstances, and I think we all agree that 2021 is going to be exponentially greater than 2020. You know, you and I have talked about China in the past, and we've talked about uh, manipulating currency. We've talked about the uh, disparity and the uh, lack of equality when it comes to import and exports. Um, And right now we have a lot of stuff in the news again with China. Republicans are bringing it up. We hear this uh, Christine Fang known as Fang Fang. We see pictures of her with Eric Swalwell, uh, Mike Honda, Judy Chu. We know that she allegedly had affairs with two Midwestern mayors. We don't know who they are and if they're Democrat or Republican. And approximately from 2011 to 2015, uh, this woman, and that's only one that we know of, seemed to be some kind of an operative Beijing sent to infiltrate uh, local and national political circles, latching on to people they viewed as rising stars 
uh, for those three individuals, Honda, Chu, and Swalwell at the time in the Democratic Party. Like I said, we don't know who those uh, Midwestern mayors are. Then we hear about China with regard to uh, Hunter Biden. Now, as of yesterday, um, now as of yesterday, Joe Biden is officially president-elect, and we hear about China in another capacity. Nothing to do uh, with Fang Fang. Nothing to do with Hunter. But it is, as you write in your piece, Joe Biden's China Challenge, um, going to be something that the president-elect has to face uh, going forward. And um, and, and you know, pre- president-elect Joe Biden has met. Uh, with China's leader. Um, And it was eight times um, over nearly, you know, a very short span of time. Of course, it was about a decade ago. Uh, They were both in vice presidential roles at the time. And um, Joe Biden says he wants to build a relationship um, with China, build a relationship with Xi Jinping. Is this a good idea? Is this necessary? And is anybody, regardless of their party, confronted with that same dilemma uh, because we do have business in China, we do business with China, but China's been a problem for us for many years. Yeah, it, it sure has, Leslie. Um, it's it's a big question. We could spend episodes talking about this. So, but I'll try to crystallize it in a minute or two. Um, and first of all, I do want to say that we obviously have major tensions with the government of China, which is run by the Chinese Communist Party. We should acknowledge that Chinese citizens have no right or no ability to change their government peacefully. They just they just don't. It's an authoritarian state. And I think we both agree that vilification of people because they're from a certain nationality is wrong. So Chinese Americans, um, good, productive citizens, immigrants who have come try uh, their lives better uh, and who have sought out America. So I just want to make clear in my criticisms of China that I'm not implicating any uh, Chinese Americans or Chinese citizens in this, but I am going to forcefully, forcefully push back on the actions of the Chinese government because it is downright hostile in many ways. The spying episode certainly shows that the uh, economic weapons that they have deployed over the past double couple of decades show that instead of being a nation that wants to collaborate and help build everybody up, that they're willing to meet their own goals at the expense of others. Um, And we've seen that with respect to climate. We've seen that with respect to manufacturing. Um, We've seen that with respect to the theft of technology. Um, And that's had broad implications for jobs, for intellectual property, for the economy of the United States and for the relationship that we have with China. And so you're you're right to say that it's going to be a big challenge for Joe Biden. Joe Biden, when he was vice president, uh, met, as you said, with uh, Xi Jinping several times to try to build a relationship. He now calls him a thug. That's what I was going to I was going to ask you You right about that in your piece. um, You know, that that's like, you know, that's like a 180. Right. I, I mean, you know. Has Joe Biden and, and do you think his views have evolved on China um, or, or, or even hardened? And if so, why? Is that just because of what has changed between the Obama years and the Trump years with China? Or is that the stance he has to take? And and tacking on to that, you write in your piece that he's going to face pressure by Congress and by Wall Street, by global companies, because they want to return uh, to policies with China Um, And and that's going to be, again, a problem, because if we do do that, as you write so well, 
uh, it's at the expense of our national values, our jobs and, and our futures. So please speak to that because some people, I mean, Joe Biden is known as a centrist. We knew who he was as senator, as a vice president. We have an idea of who he said he was going to be and says he's going to be as a president, but he clearly has seemed to change his mind, at least on the leader of China. Yeah. Does that mean he will change his mind on the way he will deal with China? And and will that be difficult for him with uh, Wall Street and uh, global companies in Congress? It's a really important question. And like the vast majority of national Democrats and Republicans, Joe Biden wanted to give China a benefit of the doubt about two decades ago and say, well, if we lift them into the global economy, perhaps the Chinese government will adapt these reforms and will become more democratic. It was an experiment. It was a test. Now, I wasn't willing to cut China that slack. I've been a critic of China since I came into public service back in 1989, just as Tiananmen Square was happening. And I was like, we should not write them a blank check. I think this is a big mistake. Others, Joe Biden included, were willing to look at it and say, well, let's see what we get here. And what we've gotten is a big disappointment. There is no doubt that China has grown tremendously. There is no doubt that our economies are very intertwined now. But there's also no doubt that China has not changed uh, or leaned or arced in any way towards what we would call uh, commonly held like human rights and values. You see what's going on in Hong Kong uh, with, with the arrests and the crackdown. You see what's happening with the Uyghurs, which looks like genocide, uh, which is just unimaginable to think about in the 21st century that this could be happening. And then you also look at, again, China's kind of economic nationalism and their approach, which they're willing to boost their economy at the expense of others. So this leaves Biden some very difficult choices. And I do believe that they realize they have to have conversations with China. Um, I, th I think they also believe that Trump's approach was very transactional. He, he just wanted a deal, um, wanted to, you know, wanted to make him look good. Um, and that Trump wasn't willing to talk about human rights or democratic yes. values or anything like that at all. And so I think that the relationship will be more nuanced. Um, and since I, I wrote that piece, I would also add that the that Biden's announcement of who the United States trade ambassador is going to be, uh, uh, Catherine Tai, uh, is a good one. And she cut her teeth like doing China trade enforcement. And is and I know her and she's very good on that. And so I think that that, that Biden can be tough on China, but it's pr probably going to be much more strategic and look a lot different than the ways in which Trump tried to handle it as well. And, and I think it needs to be, as you pointed out, that's one of the reasons I brought up at the beginning, even though AAM is non-political organization, um, because sadly, the, the, the economy and the politics with China are intertwined. How do you do business with a nation that has gross human rights abuses? Like you said, it uh, looks like there are internment camps with the, with the Uyghurs. Uh, and, and, and I mean, the list just goes on. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with Scott Paul. We'll be back with you right after this. I'm Leslie Marshall. Don't go away. If you miss Leslie on TV this week, catch up at LeslieMarshallShow.com. Hi, 
Welcome back. And by the way, thank you for listening on radio, on stream, on podcast, and watching us on Facebook Live, YouTube Live, and Twitter's uh, Periscope as well. We are back with Scott Paul, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. As I mentioned earlier, a partnership established by some of America's leading manufacturers and the United Steelworkers Union. And uh, I want to be sure to have you check out their website, AmericanManufacturing.org. On Twitter, follow them at Keep It Made in USA and follow Scott at Scott Paul, A-A-M. On Instagram, at American Manufacturing and on Facebook, Facebook.com forward slash American manufacturing. Before the break, Scott and I were talking about a great piece he wrote entitled Joe Biden's China Challenge, talking about how as the vice president rather than president-elect, um, he was hoping to build a relationship uh, with China and China's uh, China's leader, uh, Xi Jinping. However, uh, Biden has since called Xi a thug. We are also talking about Oh, Joe, Joe Biden has to do, President-elect Joe Biden has to do a, a dance between Congress and Wall Street, uh, global uh, companies, uh, and China. And we were also talking about uh, terrible things that are happening to uh, the Rohingyas, uh, that have happened to the Uyghurs, the uh, oppression of freedom in Hong Kong. Uh, Scott, thank you for holding. Welcome back. I want to ask you, based on all of that, the political landscape and the economy, Are we seeing a growing agreement among the left and the right, among Democrat and Republicans uh, with China and and the best way to deal with China? Because there are two issues, political issues with China and economic issues with China. I mean, whether we like it or not, we are in bed with China. Yeah, Leslie, I think we are, because as as you are, I think, painfully aware as I am, there are few areas where progressives and conservatives are coalescing around politically these days. It's just it's become more difficult for a number of reasons. I think China is a big exception to that. And I'll just point out one quick example. The director of national intelligence is a former Republican member of Congress, uh, John Radcliffe from Texas. He wrote a piece in the Wall Street Journal on on China, and it was very provocative. And it was essentially saying China is going to present a challenge to the United States uh, like the Soviet Union did after World War II, which is a really big statement to make, obviously, because if you think I know I, you know, like I'm a Gen Xer, I, I know we're contemporary. I mean, we grew up with this and it dominated kind of American life in so many ways. And so to think about that is honestly kind of distressing. Um, and there's some people who think that Ratcliffe was kind of like making this a very much an us versus them argument. But I will say Adam Schiff, you know, no fan of the president, uh, you know, uh, chairman of the uh, House Select uh, Intelligence Committee, uh, who also ran the impeachment proceedings. So he, has, he doesn't want to do anything for Trump. But, but he said he, he agrees with, with Ratcliffe on this, that China is a challenge and that there are a lot of Democrats in the Congress that would look forward to um, to having a cohesive strategy on this. And, you know, as we were talking about before the break, you know, I think Trump has taken some actions on China, on trade, uh, through tariffs and has a, a trade deal that's essentially based on China buying some goods. Um, but Hong Kong set aside, the Uyghurs set aside, some of the other systemic reforms that we'd like to see set aside. And, Meanwhile, we frayed our own alliances, and uh, China's trying to grow its clout. Um, and so it, it is really a very important moment. And I, I am very confident when I say that this will by far be the most pressing foreign policy concern that Joe Biden will deal with 
uh, as president of the United States. And it is a foreign policy concern that has dramatic economic repercussions for the United States, because unlike the Soviet-US great power competition, we did not trade with the Soviet Union. They, they didn't want to, we didn't want to. Our economies are incredibly intertwined, and we have gobs of imports um, that are lined up to come into the United States uh, off the California ports every day. We send precious little back. Uh, we've seen what that kind of relationship has done to our industrial base. We've seen the kind of intellectual property theft that's occurred that's allowed China to rapidly scale up an advanced manufacturing sector. Um, and you know, and, and has made us made us in many ways peers when it comes to supercomputing and high technology. Um, and so th it's very important to get this right and, and to do it in a way that acknowledges that, look, we can't tell China what to do, but we should be able to shape the relationship in a way where their behaviors aren't destructive to our citizens or our planet or peace in it allows us both to grow rather than viewing this as it's either us or it's them but we can't you know proceed together i think that would be a a huge mistake and and we also saw just hearkening again back to the us soviet great power competition how many resources were drained, both in the Soviet Union and the United States, into just the missile buildup and all of that and how that dominated so much spending for so many decades. And we should have a strong defense that is perfectly capable of defending our interests both here and abroad. Uh, but that doesn't mean we have to go, we, that doesn't mean that we should expect that it should be outrageous in the decades. To, so so the stakes are very, very high yeah. for, for Joe Biden as he takes office here. Well, you know, as president-elect Joe Biden takes office, he ins he's inheriting a lot. I mean, I wouldn't want this job. I, I don't think anybody really would want it, um, except Donald Trump, clearly. Uh, but uh, first, he has inherited a very bad economy as a result of this pandemic. He has inherited the pandemic. Um, and when you look at China, China has recovered with their pandemic faster than we have. China has recovered economically faster than we have. And in addition to all of that, you have, as you wrote uh, very accurately, uh, the Trump administration fell well short of its goals with China. So Biden inherits that as well. So how do you go forward with the trade deficit when you're crippled, in a sense, economically, uh, physically, uh, due to this virus and the challenges it presents, when you have this country, China, um, who who is your enemy to a degree, your your trading partner in another uh, capacity, who is in better shape, who's coming to the table healthier uh, with regard to the virus and the economic impact to their nation versus where we're at right now. Yeah. Yeah, I just the only analogy I can think of is that you know it, Donald Trump is basically handling uh, ha handing off to Joe Biden like the poop bag at the dog park and that doesn't get to enjoy <laughs> enjoy scratching the puppies at all. It's all it's 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 the waste that he's got to clean up and it, it is it's going to take an all of government effort. So you know this is more than just about foreign policy and reestablishing a foreign policy that's based on values, American values, the need to build alliances. Uh, it's going to also take smart investments in our own innovation and our own workers and our own infrastructure so that we can be competitive and that we don't be, have to be so dependent 
on all those imports from China. Like, I want to see Tim Cook. I want to see Apple. Let's make an iPhone in California or in Texas Absolutely. or something. No, 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 let's get it done. And if we have a goal like that, we can. So, yeah. but, but unless Biden has that goal, it's not going to happen. It, it, it needs to be driven by that kind of presidential leadership. Uh, and it can't be, it can't be a transactional thing like Donald Trump's like, you give me a deal, you know, we'll, we'll sell some soybeans, we'll sell a couple of planes and we'll, we'll leave you alone on the Uyghurs and, and Hong Kong. That's far too transactional for my taste and it doesn't advance our interests. Absolutely. We're going to take a break and we come back more on China, but we're going to switch to something called currency manipulation, which you and I have talked about. And some people say, well, how does that impact us? Follow Leslie on Twitter. Just go to www.twitter.com slash Leslie Marshall, and we'll be sure to share your tweets. Welcome, welcome back to you with Scott Paul, president of the AAM. Check them out on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash American Manufacturing. On Instagram, follow them there at American Manufacturing. Follow Scott on Twitter at Scott Paul AAM. And on Twitter, follow the AAM at Keep It Made in USA. AmericanManufacturing.org is their website. Check it out. They have a lot of good information. And one of the things I always like is uh, Scott and the AAM helped me uh, to buy American uh, by finding out what is made in the USA that you can help these local businesses during this very difficult time uh, during this COVID-19 pandemic when a lot of people are trying to keep their doors open and keep food on the table for their families as well. Scott, thanks for holding. Welcome back. I mentioned before the break, we talk about currency manipulation. Some people say... Um, how does currency manipulation, uh, manipulating one's currency in another country like China, how does that really impact us here in the United States and more specifically uh, impact um, our businesses, uh, competition, and the ability of people and business owners in our nation to not only keep jobs, but to create new ones? Thanks, Leslie. Um, and, and it's obviously not an issue that grabs headlines every day, and it only really kind of bubbles up to the surface if there are severe kind of global tensions um, around economic issues and unemployment. We have seen that in the past, um, and we've most recently seen it between the U.S. and China, as, as we were discussing before the break. And so what it what it means is there, there's a government like another government, say it's the People's Bank of China, uh, which is the government run bank in China. Um, you know, the, the Chinese government wants to keep the value of its currency down. And what that does, it makes its exports to the United States cheaper. Um, and it's just essentially monetary laws of supply and demand. And so if they can bring in their imports a little cheaper in the United States, they're going to sell more. Um, and that's great for China. It probably also means that jobs are being displaced in the United States mm -hmm. and that the factory that was fulfilling those orders in the United States is not. And a factory in China is. And that's puts people out of work and it's cost lost profits. And it's probably had uh, impacts throughout the entire community because people are shopping less at the grocery store, the hardware store. Um, and it's having spillover effects as well. And so when you consider this on a massive scale um, and hundreds of billions of dollars, uh, that has a profound impact on economies. And so the, I guess the deal is countries aren't supposed to do this. They're, you're not supposed to manipulate your currency to gain a trade advantage. When you sign up to the International Monetary Fund, when you sign up to the World Trade Organization, when you sign up to a, a lot of bilateral trade agreements, they say you shouldn't do this. The problem is the enforcement is very weak. And so if a country does this, they're rarely held to account. 
Um, and that's been the problem with U.S. law so far, is that we've had this ability to designate China as a currency manipulator, but we've rarely ever done it. And I specifically remember Barack Obama promising to do it back in 2008 because he did it at an AAM presidential candidates forum. So like I was steps away when he did it. He said, I'm going to take China to the mat and name them as a currency manipulator. Well, he didn't. Um, but for that matter, uh, neither did Donald Trump, other than when he was really mad at them during uh, the, the phase one trade deal negotiations, was trying to gain some leverage. But it was just because he was mad and it wasn't because he really meant it. Um, and so here we are. Now, Joe Biden comes in and currency manipulation is still a challenge. It's sometimes a challenge with China. It's becoming a challenge with countries like Vietnam that are scaling up their manufacturing capacity. And this does have an impact on the competitiveness of U.S. manufacturing. And so the question is, and what I urge Biden to do, is to use the tools that he has as president of the United States to push back against this, because this is certainly one signal that you can send those blue collar workers uh, in the middle of America um, who, you know, voted for him stronger than obviously they did in Hillary for Hillary Clinton yeah. four years ago, that, that he has their back and that he is on their side. Now, the downside to this policy is that you have all the free trade people to say, oh, my God, you're going to start a trade war or something like that. And the other people who get upset are the international business travelers, because if for some reason the U.S. dollar is a little stronger, um, I'm sorry, if, if the U.S. dollar is a little weaker when they're head overseas instead of stronger, uh, it makes it, it makes their croissants more expensive in Paris. And so I'll shed a crocodile tear for them, but <laughs> I'm going to be fighting for American manufacturing workers here at home. And that's what we're hoping Joe Biden is going to do as well as he enters office. Well, I'm going to quote somebody named Scott Paul who said, trade war, we've been in a trade war for the past decade, right? Let, let's talk about uh, that point that you make. Um, you had, uh, when they were candidates, Barack Obama, Mitt Romney, Donald Trump, all promised to take some form of action against China on currency manipulation. And this is what Joe Biden, president-elect, wrote to the United Steelworkers, as you know. Uh, quote, when it comes to currency manipulation, I oppose any and all attempts by foreign governments to artificially manipulate currency values to gain an unfair advantage in trade. In the past, certain countries such as China have illegally depressed the value of their currency relative to the dollar as part of a larger economic strategy aimed at making their exports relatively cheaper in world markets. This action has cost American manufacturers and exporters jobs, jobs they would have kept had our trading partners played by the rules. Under my watch, every one of our partners will adhere to sound economic and trade principles, and I will strongly oppose illegal efforts to manipulate currency as a way of gaining an advantage over American workers and existing laws should be stre strengthened in any new trade agreements with enhanced transparency and consultation provisions and, where needed, disciplines and enforcement to address the negative effects of manipulation. Sounds good. It's been said before. Why is this such a significant challenge and so difficult for a president to put into action as opposed to just giving lip service to it? Yeah. Yeah, well, well, fundamentally, and I don't want to use this as a scapegoat, um, but the Treasury Department has has mostly been uh, the enemy on this or the opponent on this. I don't want to call anybody an enemy, but the opponent on this. And it's primarily because the, the folks who have been Treasury secretaries have had deep ties to Wall Street and Wall Street's not interested in a currency war and a trade war and anything like that. They're just like, let's no, we don't we don't want to deal with this. And so. I, I do think that Janet Yellen 
Um, obviously, she doesn't have deep ties to Wall Street. Uh, she was at the Federal Reserve. Um, she is a brilliant academic uh, economist. Um, she is wicked smart. I think she understands the challenges of currency manipulation and it through the Federal Reserve, kind of what kind of an impact it has. And so I do hope that uh, she'll be more amenable than Treasury secretaries from Steve Mnuchin all the way back to uh, Bob Rubin in the, in the Clinton administration have been on this issue. Because it is a, it, 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 it seriously, when you take a look at this, and economists have, at the impediments to growing manufacturing jobs in the United States and to boosting our exports, the value of the dollar and the fact that other countries manipulate their currency um, ha has perhaps the biggest impact bigger than anything else. And so it's important to take this head on. And we'll be trying to deliver that message to uh, to Janet Yellen if she's confirmed. Um, and I think she is, a, a again, someone who we can work with on this. But yeah, I, I'm tired of both Democrats and Republicans saying they're going to do something and then, you know, hitting the brakes as soon as the, the Wall Street investment bankers say, well, not, not so fast here. Um, I want to talk about your podcast. Um, there, it, it's awesome. People can find it on the AAM website. And on December 8th, your podcast called It's Time for a U.S.-China Reset, um, you know, you talk about in this episode classifying China as the defining issue of our decade. You outline in that podcast how you think that President-elect Biden can reset the U.S.-China economic relationship. You just spoke to some of that here. Um, but can you please expand on that and share some more of those thoughts um, with um, our audience? Because some people might say, well, you know, why is defining it so important? Uh, you know, it might be the elephant in the room. Uh, we know it's there. Why is defining it so important? And uh, talk about that reset. Talk about that relationship yeah. as we have a new administration coming in. Yeah, I, I, th I think that's going to be important. And I think that uh, administrations are kind of defined by the foreign policy priorities that they set, and, and you know, it's easy to think about this. If you look back to the to the Bush administration, it was obviously the response to 9/11 and both the wars they started and then couldn't get out of, basically, that was defining. I think for Barack Obama, in many ways, it was boosting alliances, um, achieving some arms control goals. Um, and having a steady hand through a, a massive financial downturn and collaborating with other global economies to, to try to bring us back. And in that regard, I, I think he, he was fantastic. I think Donald Trump might have been defined maybe by trying to get out of the two wars. Um, I'm not sure what else his um, foreign policy was. It's hard to describe other than America first. Um, Bill, uh, Joe Biden wants a, a foreign policy where he puts the middle class first. And to do that, that means focusing on the economic and physical security of working class, middle class Americans. And what that means is changing our relationship with China so that we're not losing as many jobs to China. In fact, we're getting some back um, and that we are making sure that our relationship with them is operating in such a way that we're not going to get into a massive war that is going to cost Absolutely. lives and treasure. Absolutely. We're going to talk more with Scott, uh, more about this. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. 
If you miss Leslie on TV this week, catch up at LeslieMarshallShow.com. We are back with Scott Paul. And uh, before I get to the interview, um, I didn't have time before the break. I mentioned that if you go to the uh, website uh, for AAM, you can check out their 2020 Made in America gift guide. If you recall, during the campaign, President-elect, then Vice President Joe Biden is encouraging us to buy American, to support American products made in the USA, to support American businesses and American workers. And this is a great way um, for you to check it out. Uh, like I said, um, you know, you, all you have to do is, uh, if you want to view the 2020 Made in America gift guide, visit the website, tinyurl.com forward slash Made in USA gifts. That's tinyurl.com forward slash Made in USA gifts. Um, we are going to post that on our site as well. It has been helpful to me uh, buying gifts for family members. Um, and I feel like I'm doing something good for my nation, for our economy, and especially during this time where business owners are suffering, help some of those people out. We are back with Scott Paul, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. Uh, as president of the AAM, he knows a lot about manufacturing and he knows a lot about China. And as we have a new administration coming forward uh, into you know dealing with China, we are forever in a very uh, weird relationship with, uh, you know, entangle the negatives politically and positive and negatives uh, uh, economically. Um, you know, Scott has been talking about this on his podcast. Scott, thank you for holding. Welcome back. I had mentioned your podcast on December 8th. Well, let's talk about a podcast a couple of days later. On December 10th, um, your website on uh, on the website of the AAM website where people can uh, download and you know check out and watch and listen to the podcast. This one titled, Will the U.S. Get Its Money Worth on Currency Policy? And in the episode, um, you say that President-elect Joe Biden will assume office with powerful enforcement tools in hand. What are those tools and what should he do with them? Yes, Leslie. And so the, the president has a lot of power uh, on economic policy. And I think Donald Trump has shown that, uh, although he didn't deploy it in a very strategic way, it was much more tactical and sporadic. And so what Joe Biden can do, first of all, is designate countries as currency manipulators. Um, and that, that tool has been seldom used in the past. It's been in the law for a few decades now. It was recently sharpened within the last five or six years. Uh, but but certainly Joe Biden could could start doing that. Um, that that would be step number one. Number two, that um, in the kind of wonky world of trade cases that come up, that domestic industry files against importers based on unfair trade practices, there there is now the ability to say I think there ought to be tariffs imposed against this product coming from China or that product coming from Vietnam because there is also the factor of currency manipulation involved, and uh, that's costing me market share, that's costing me jobs. And so that tool uh, is available as, as well, which could be very powerful. And, and then, and I think- yeah, and Scott, can I interrupt you for a second? Yeah. That, that to me seems like a very common sense thing to do. Um, you know, uh, don't buy blank, right? Um, you know, buy American, 
Don't buy blank. This is something where people this could be this could be part of his vision to unite the country, because come on, you know, if people say, you know, look, you know, look what they're doing in Hong Kong with regard to freedom. Look at these human rights abuses. Right. They have concentration camps over there right now. Uh, they're oppressing these individuals who are a Muslim minority in China. And these products are made like, you know, crap. They're manipulating their currency. Don't buy it. I honestly think most people will be like, yeah, you know what I mean? And and, and this would be this would be something that could transcend that bipartisan divide. Well, well I, mean, I that, think that partisan divide. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, look, there's there'll be some Republicans that will be pressing Biden on this, saying he's not doing enough. And I guess that's their jobs, I suppose. But they but they're they're very hawkish on China. But but he will find the ability to have bipartisan support yeah. for measures that push back against uh, Chinese government behavior. And again, I want to be very clear about that. This isn't about Chinese Americans. This isn't about Chinese citizens. This is about the actions of the Chinese government that, that they're doing. And, and Biden does have extraordinary powers to do that. And the other thing, and I think this is very important, Leslie, in, in addition to having that right kind of pushback, what Biden has also said, and, and that Trump didn't do, is he's going to invest in America and make us more competitive from the inside as well. And you can't do that through giving tax cuts to millionaires or giving tax cuts to big corporations and expecting them to pass them on to anybody except for shareholders, because they don't. They haven't done that. We know that that doesn't work. But if you invest in our infrastructure, if you invest in our innovation, if you invest in our clean energy, if you invest in our workers, you will get dividends and we will sell more, we will make more, we will create more jobs and that's at the heart of the Build Back Better plan. And you combine that with the right kind of pushback on China. And he can really change things for manufacturing. And he can really lift up a new generation of manufacturing. It's going to look nothing like what Donald Trump thought it would look like with coal mills and jobs from the 60s. I'm talking about electric vehicles and wind turbines and solar panels and those supply chains and lots of products that we can make here at home, but we need the right leadership and we need the right set of policies to make that happen. And during that same podcast, Scott, you explained how currency policy, which you were just talking about, can serve as a powerful tool to ensure that American workers aren't left a day late and a dollar short. Um, do you want to add on to what you said in, in sharing more of that explanation with our audience so that they, they, they fully understand that relationship, how it's intertwined, and, and how currency policy is such a powerful tool uh, so that American workers aren't left a day late or a dollar short? Yeah, I, I mean, I've had manufacturers and workers who say, look, we have uh, we've gotten more productive, we're efficient. Um, and we, we make the, the highest quality products in the world. But what we can't compete with is the hundreds of billions of dollars of the Chinese government and, and the subsidies they give to their manufacturers and the unfair pre trade practices that keep our products out of China and bring more Chinese imports in the United States. And that's where they, no one is looking for a handout, but that is what they expect from the US government to do, is to have their on those types of issues. And even though Donald Trump talked a lot about this stuff and did slap some tariffs on, it was not strategic. We have more imports coming in from China than we have for a long time. Uh, the policy didn't work. But with that investment in America and that right kind of pushback, I mean, we can help 
those workers and those businesses who want to make things in America be successful. I want to go back to November, the end of November, November 30th, your podcast on the AAM website, uh, where people I hope will go AmericanManufacturing.org to listen to these podcasts. And like I said, to get those uh, list of uh, products they can buy that are made in America by American business owners uh, and help them out this holiday season. Um, On the website, AmericanManufacturing.org, this one on November 30th is called U.S. Companies Are Discovering the Real Cost of Doing Business with China. And in this episode, you spoke with Washington Post Global Opinions contributing columnist Isaac Stone Fish in order to evaluate why iconic U.S. brands like Disney or the NBA continue to compromise ethics to do business in China and, and why these companies are at a critical crossroads right now. Can you share some of that? Because there are people thinking – you know, why does Disney con- continue um, to, to have this relationship? Why does the NBA continue to have this relationship? Um, you know, it, it is, is money all that matters to them? Yes, money is all that matters to them, unfortunately. Clearly. That's, uh, that's precisely why. Um, and th- they're willing to overlook um, a tremendous amount of human rights violations, of gross violations of democratic norms, and in the case of Disney, um, e- even the, the the oppression and the genocide of Uyghurs in um, the Zhenjing pro- province in the western part of China, it is, you know, and I don't want to single Disney and the NBA out because this is virtually every American company or virtually every multinational. And they see China with more than a billion people, a lot of people that can buy products and they're like, well, we we want to sell there, and we will get shut out of that market um, unless we shut up. We can't say anything bad because we know that the the Chinese government will make it difficult for us. And so it is a you know I'm old enough to remember the the companies that invested in South Africa during apartheid yeah. and the pressure that was applied to them to divest. Um, and the, 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 and there was a clear moral imperative to do that. I mean, there is a clear moral imperative to divest from China right now. The challenge is that these companies are hooked on that cheap manufacturing, um, and they're hooked on that massive consumer market. But if they know the American government has their backs, that does change the equation. And so far, you know, again, Donald Trump talked a good game, but his policy was so sporadic they couldn't depend on it. So I hope we see some change from Joe Biden and, and who's going to look out uh, for human rights, for democratic norms uh, and for American workers. Thank you, Scott. Scott Paul, you are awesome. Go to AmericanManufacturing.org and buy American. They have the 2020 Made in America gift guide. Happy Hanukkah. We're night six, I think, right? And happy holidays to you and your family. Love you, buddy. Have a good one. We'll talk in a few weeks. Likewise. Be well. Take care, Leslie. You you too. This holiday season, remember the families who've lost loved ones to COVID-19. Don't risk losing your loved ones. Stay vigilant. Make smart choices, avoid indoor gatherings, and wear a mask. Spread hope, not COVID. For tips, visit michigan.gov slash holiday 2020. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. 
The online MBA from Geese College of Business at the University of Illinois is an empowering experience, a global community, extraordinary supportive colleagues, and top faculty. To learn more, go to onlinemba.illinois.edu.